0: Hey, everybody. John Stewart here. I am here to tell you about my new podcast, The Weekly Show, coming out every Thursday. We're going to be talking about the uh, election, earnings calls. What are they talking about on these earnings calls? We're going to be talking about ingredient to bread ratio on sandwiches. I know you have a lot of options as far as podcasts go, but how many of them come out on Thursday? Listen to The Weekly Show with John Stewart on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. Special edition, though, to help you through this quarantine life, we got the Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans, and we got episode two of our new series, Storytime with Rashad, called "Bursting on the Scene. So let me bring in that fella. Right now, you know him. He's an earthquake survivor. All that great stuff.
1: (coughs) That's me bringing that heat.
0: That's me bringing that heat. He's about to bring that heat. Sugar, Rashad, we're going back in the archives of your career painstakingly, moment by moment. How you doing, my
1: man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Trying to keep my son out of here, man. He's (laughs) he's, he's seeing a new area. Now he wants to come through and uh, and investigate. But I'm good, BC, man. At home, just uh, enjoying another day of quarantine.
0: All right, well, we got great feedback, Rashad, from our last Storytime episode going deep on all things Ultimate Fighter. Uh, You talk about peeing your pants during the Brad Ims (laughs) fight, but nobody (laughs) noticed, you know? Hopefully, we got a lot of good ones today. Hopefully, all of our listeners out there are doing well. Uh, Love bringing this bonus audio to you. And Rashad, today, we are going to break down four consecutive fights the four that immediately followed your victory in the Ultimate Fighter Season 2 heavyweight tournament. You drop down to 205, and we're talking about Sam Hoger, Stefan Bonner, Jason Lambert, Sean Salmon. And these took place from November 2005 to September 2006. Uh, not even a full year, Rashad. You're packing in four fights it seems to me like this was, we got to hit the ground running. We're the ultimate fighter champion. We got to, we're, we're training with Jackson Wink. We got to find out how great this guy can be.
1: Yeah. When I first got on the scene, um, you know, uh, I, I wanted to get out there and I wanted to prove that I really belong, you know, and step and, and, uh, Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin, they kind of set the st- standard of what was expected out of an ultimate fighter. So, You know, in my mind, I was like, I got to be on a level because I believe that I was as good as those guys. So when I um, started training at Michigan, I knew that my game needed to evolve and get to another level. So that's when I linked up with Keith Jardine. He was like, hey, you got to come out to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, I went out there and, uh, you know, it, it was it was kind of a cool experience, but there was absolutely nothing to do in Albuquerque. And and I was coming from the Chicago area, mid Midwest area, where you know there's pretty much a lot to do. But you know, in Mich- uh, in Albuquerque, Mexico, there's nothing to do. Yeah. So uh, it made for a great training place, you know. And, uh, you know, that's where I really started to dig my teeth into my training and just develop that mindset, you know, that mindset that Greg Jackson became really famous for.
0: Let's set the stage here in 2005 for this four-fight stretch. You're 26 years old. We talked at the end of the last Storytime episode about how much winning tough changed your life. You really went from, you know, maybe – Big time future potential star fighter, Hall of Famer, all that, you know, to oh yeah, let's get in the driver's seat. This career's for real. Um, 26, you're 6-0 and as a fighter, you moved to New Mexico. Uh, did you feel pressure? Were you excited? Did you feel like a badass? You're about to cut down to 205. What is sort of the mindset at this point?
1: Um, yeah, I felt I felt like a badass, man. I um I, I was kind of I I, I wanted to test myself more than anything. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I, uh, like I, I I believe that I was tough, but I was like, I want to see how tough I was compared to those guys that I was looking up to on TV. And now that I have my chance to cut my teeth against some of the best guys and baddest guys on the planet. So, it, it, each and every single day in camp i grew more and more confident because of the things that greg jackson had put us through you know greg would do some crazy crazy things and it, now it'd be like abuse but back then it was just <laughs> what we did for mental toughness like greg greg would do some crazy stuff like he would have us do uh buddy carries where I'm holding Keith Jardine like he's my wife and I'm walking through the, uh, walking over the, the, the broom, you know, to, 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 to wedding. And <laughs> yeah, so I'm walking and I'm holding Keith like that. And, and it's every 60 steps we got to change. And he holds me like that. But the thing is that we're in the mountains. We're way up like 8,000 feet up. Yeah. We're on the edge of a cliff and it's like no room for air. Like if you fall, you're going to fall to your death. And like almost after a few like scary situations, Greg was like, oh, let's switch it up and let's do something different. Why don't you get on Keith's back? Why don't Keith get on your back? But that's the kind of thing that Greg had us doing. He had us on that mindset where we were willing to face death in order to get better because in the cage, you had to be willing to die in there if you wanted to outlast your opponent.
0: Wow, wow, that's intense. I love that. Um, Quick question, you mentioned basically becoming brothers and training partners with Keith Jardine. You had faced him during the Ultimate Fighter season, and I thought that was the best fight of, of that entire season. Um, what w- was, it, was it hard to just you know, put that down and become brothers again, or was it a thing where you needled him through the years that you always got the better of him? um yeah
1: you know I I I fed off of Keith and we fed off each other you know we had a really good symbiotic relationship and, and uh you know he he was good in areas where I was weak at and vice versa so we really worked really good together and um you know it, it just kind of happened that even in the, in our careers as it followed, he would either fight somebody before I did or I either fight somebody before he did and we'll end up actually same fighting the same person twice because he'll help me get ready for that person and I'll help him get ready for that person. So we have two camps of experience working on the same person. So we had that good relationship and it was something where I could be vulnerable with him in training practice, meaning the fact that, you know, I can try different moves and not be afraid to lose and not be afraid to get caught in a submission and not be afraid to get caught with a punch because I knew at the end of the day, if, if it was ever a position where it was not in my best interest, he wouldn't look for the finish. He wouldn't look to, 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 to pile on damage. And that's what you need when you're going with somebody and you're pushing yourself to that level. And Keith was that guy for me.
0: All right, so there was never a point where he said, okay, I've been your brother. I didn't expose you. I helped you build. You helped me build. We're great fighters. But let's empty everyone out of the gym. Let's have a Rocky Apollo rematch. Just you and I, ding, ding. I'm going to show you who's best. Did you ever get to that point with him? Oh,
1: I mean, we, we, we've definitely had our, uh, our knockdown drag out sparring matches. And that was pretty much every single time that we sparred, but that's what was expected. You know, There's a couple of times, uh, Keith knocks me out in practice one time. It, it was, it, he caught me with a, uh, you know how Keith used to always have that blistering, like blistering left foot combo. He starts it off and it's like, like the Tasmanian devil. Well, he caught me in that with a left hook one time and it, uh, it knocked me out on my feet. And that was like the first time I ever really got stunned or dazed in anything. It was by Keith and training. But that was the kind of training atmosphere that we were, you know, we were putting ourselves into. We were trying to defeat each other in practice, but at the same time, not kill each other.
0: Absolutely. So this four fight stretch that we're gonna break down today, we call it bursting on the scene. You want to talk about growth in a four-fight stretch. You start off, you're the, you're the ultimate fighters heavyweight champion, but you're raw. You're, I mean, we'll get into this here. You're very raw. You're athletic and explosive and all that, but you're learning on the job at the end of this four-fight stretch, Rashad. And let me remind you, you did four fights in 294 days. You were ready for all the smoke. The fights that you had after this four-fight stretch in order, Tito Ortiz, Michael Bisping, Chuck Liddell, Forrest Griffin. So you kind of went from, you know, zero to hero in terms of experience and growth. Even your body, really, by the end of this four-fight stretch, you look like championship-level fighter. Um, What was that one year like, man? You were in the meat grinder.
1: Yeah, it was it was um uh it was, it was a year where I just put everything into it. And, and I and I really started to believe in the fact that I could do this. And that's when I started to transfer my mind from being just the guy who competed on the Ultimate Fighter show to the guy who actually started to believe that I can really compete in a light heavyweight division and maybe even be champion. You know, and that's where I was like, I, I, I'm not that's when I started to see my size as not too much of a disadvantage. And I've seen it more as an advantage. And and I started to really see the attributes that I had and working with guys like Greg Jackson and um, being able to work alongside Keith Jardine and all these guys with a wealth of experience and Michael Van Arsdale and being able to work with these guys with a wealth of experience, but being able to, hang with those guys with wealth of experience with all these different disciplines it gave me a lot of confidence and you've seen that every single fight I would just get more and more skills along the way like one fight I get caught in a situation that I almost get finished in and then the next fight that same exact situation comes up and then you see me just learning and how to deal with those positions that previously in other fights I struggled with.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy to watch the growth. Uh, final question before we get into these uh, fights and break them down. At the end of the Ultimate Fighter and that championship interview, you said, look, I I, I think two oh five is much better for me. Uh, what was that process like? Because you were basically putting on weight to be a heavyweight. Was it was it much of a weight cut to get in to get down to two oh five for these fights? Uh no, it really
1: wasn't much of a weight cut at all. You know, honestly speaking, um, you know, I really had to eat. Eat my way to be a heavyweight, and just to stay around 2:30, uh, and to step in the cage around 2:25, it was like I was I was gluttonous the whole time, and that's not really a good way you want to fight because you feel fat and you feel bloated. You know, you want to be in your most ripped position or r- ripped feeling when you get out and fight. So when I started to naturally go through a camp, and then I had to do like a little meal cut or a little weight, a uh, little wrestler cut. I was at the perfect weight, and I was like, this is the perfect weight for me. Now, before all of this happened, I was a, really a 185-pounder who balked up to 205 and then balked up to heavyweight, so I was way out of my weight class.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we'll see in the size disparities in even these first few fights that exposed it. Uh, oh, one more uh, additional detail. They mentioned multiple times in these next two, three, four fights that you're not that far removed from being a hospital security guard in Michigan. So you win the Ultimate Fighter in November 2005. This first fight against Sam Holger is April 2006. When did you stop being a security guard and go full-time all-in in New Mexico?
1: Um, I, I left being a security guard when uh, right right before the Stefan Bonner camp. So it, it was right before the Stefan Bonner camp I decided that um, – Actually, it was a little bit – it was directly after the Stuffed Bonnet camp, I decided that I would have to do uh, give up being a security guard because I had to – that was my first real camp that I had to be away at on a consistent basis. So, at that point, I was like, I got uh, I can't be a security guard anymore."
0: That's a, That's a moment. That's a, hey, you know what? I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm growing up. No.
1: Yeah, I'm growing up because at that time, at that time, when I got off the Ultimate Fighter show, I'll never forget this uh, – the um, the woman who was my mother-in-law, she ends up saying to me, she says, uh, she says, um, okay, Rashad, now you, now you've done that, Now you can get a real job now. <laughs> but I mean, I did I didn't take offense to it because that was the thinking back then. Like it was like fighting was not a real job.
0: Very interesting. All right, we're gonna get into these fights, starting with Sam Holger. After we take a quick pause for the cause, we'll be back right after this. Yeah.
2: It's the most all-star-studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
0: Terms apply. All right, and we're back. BC, Sugar Rashad, it's story time. Episode 2, bursting on the scene. And Rashad, we start off right away. You win the Ultimate Fighter. You get into a professional training camp. And on April 6th, 2006 UFC Fight Night 4. Wow. Take me back. It's the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, Las Vegas, the site of your ultimate fighter victory over Brad Imes. You're back in your home here. Co-main event, the main event that night, Stefan Bonner versus Keith Jardine, your opponents of past and future. Uh, what did you know about this big fella, the Alaskan assassin Sam Hoger coming into this fight?
1: Well, I, I kind of had experience with Sam Holder because when I was coming up in, in the uh, in, in the underground circuit, I would go to Pat Militich's gym and I would train with those guys and they would do like some crazy thing where if you wanted to train with them as a journeyman, you had to prove that you were tough. So what they would do is they would have you come in and they would run a round robin on you. And that means everyone would come in and just pretty much just take turns, you know, rotating in on you and seeing if you can stop them from either taking you down or you got to take them down or getting up or whatever that drill specific was. So I, uh, I, was, I ended up going against Sam Hoger when I, went, when I, when I trained at Pat Milita's gym, Ooh. and uh, he got the better of me then.
0: Ooh, and he, yeah, so he caught confidence me. had to be high. Yeah,
1: it was really high. So he had the experience of knowing that he already went against me and, I, and, and he submitted me. And, and, and here's the thing about it. At the time I was a little tired, but at the end of the day, you can't really, you like, if you, if you take a whooping in practice, you just got to own it. Like that's the best thing for a whooping in practice. Like there's been many times I got beat by guys who are absolutely trash. But the, the, the more I accept it, the better I'm able to get over it, and then come back better the next day. So Sam took it to me that damn practice. So going into
0: this fight, he had that on his mind. Wow! So you're 26 years old. You're six and zero right off the tough championship. Holger is 25 years old. He's six and one. He had lost to Stefan Bonner as his only pro defeat, and he was an alumni of the Ultimate Fighter season one, having defeated Bobby Southworth on that finale card. Uh, he's six foot three. You're five eleven. He's got a five-inch reach advantage. Uh, Rashad, another another mountain to climb here. Another big yeah. man. Like the tough season all over again.
1: Yeah, it was, man. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, um, you know, he was a big guy. But coming from where I was coming from, he just seemed like a pretty good size for me. You know, he didn't really seem to be that big. But he did have a, a build that gave me kind of problem because, you know, when guys are built like Sam, like he's just – he was long and kind of lanky. And he wasn't really – like physically strong, but he had a lanky kind of strength that made him very difficult and kind of of dangerous to deal with for me at the time.
0: All right, here's some sound heading into this fight. I'm anticipating probably a submission if we go to the ground, assuming we go to the ground.
3: But if we don't go to the ground standing up, hopefully I'll be able to finish him with a knockout.
0: Sam Holger rocking the goatee, the the, the sprout of hair on the, on the edge of the point of his chin. I think I had that in ninety-eight, and I'll just remind everyone I was not touching any women in nineteen ninety-eight while I employed that. Let's I don't know much about Sam Holger, but uh here's Rashad on his opponent that night. Whoa, whoa. Hang in there.
4: He's slick on the ground. He's got some craftiness on the ground, but at the same time, I think that I can neutralize him with the, uh some uh...
0: Oh, well. Wow. Sound cut out there, but Rashad, um no mention on the broadcast that you guys had sparred, that, that you know each other, that there's history there. I mean, you're coming in as a potential, you know, mar- marketable fighter for UFCs, fresh off that victory. They are, though, on the broadcast very much replaying your narrative from tough that coming in, you were one of the guys that they thought would be the worst. Each step of the way, you, you won them over. You <laughs> had the big feud with Coach Matt Hughes. So I wonder what UFC's opinion was of you at that time. Whether they I mean no one knows you're gonna become a champion in the Hall of Famer.
1: Well, I don't think it was really that high. And I can kind of tell when I rewatch the broadcast and I can kind of hear the remarks that Joe Rogan makes and those guys make, you know, they they don't really give me a lot of credit for anything really except for being athletic and explosive. You know, that was that was pretty much the narrative on my skill set at that point. I only won because I was explosive and athletic it was nothing to do with my any skill it was just athletic and explosive
0: (laughs) well we start round one we touch gloves holger very confident gangly you heard what he said about his skills on the ground game he thinks he can expose you and submit you now we know there's a little bit of a backstory of him having handled you and rashad just 12 seconds into this fight wow to the side
2: of the head there's the high kick joe I Rashad think- looks very good slimmed down at 205. Much more natural weight for Rashad Yes, yeah. I like the way he grabbed that
0: leg. Well, while Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg were 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 a big fan of you slimming down, uh, I think you got stocked and slapped off the start of this fight, Rashad. What happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, he um, – you know, Sam, Sam kind of surprised me a little bit because he came out a little bit aggressive and uh, – I I knew what I wanted to do, and here's the thing about it, like, so back in the day, I didn't, I didn't have, I I wasn't able to see, because I I used to have to wear uh, glasses, but I I would wear contacts, but when I wear contacts, they would, they would disrupt me, so I wouldn't be able to, like, if if I was fighting and they got knocked out, I would totally uh, lose my focus and try to find my contact and lose my mind off the fight, so I was like, you know what, for this fight, I'm not going to wear any contacts. So I go into the fight and I can't see Sam as good as I like to see him. So the range is kind of off. You know what I'm saying? So.
0: (laughs) Well, he woke you up with. Is that when you're in the when you're in a fight and a guy slapped you and it's not you know Nick Diaz? Uh, is is that like a disrespect thing? Are you like, did he just bitch slap me? Like.
1: Yeah, it 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 is it is it is you you get you get mad about it and it's kind of at that point you're like oh that's how we plan it and then you kind of want to just like you want to get your hit back. And sometimes when you want to get your hit back, you think about your hit so much, you're not thinking about your defense at all. And that's when you're open.
0: Well, he followed up that slap with a kick attempt, as you heard on that call. You take him down with ease. But what began a theme for this fight, referee Mario Yamasaki standing you up fairly quickly. Um, Would you say that your rawness, you could take people down? You're a Michigan State decorated wrestler. But you, it wasn't there yet to to be able to get guys in position to either ground and pound or submit them, or was Hoger just just defensively sound on there?
1: Well, yeah, I, it, it was it was a bit of that. It was a lot of um, you know I was really raw on the ground, but at the same time, Sam Hoger was really really good on the ground. Like he was a really good uh, jujitsu practi- uh, practitioner. Even now, he's he was he's really good. Um, so like, what I did wrong was I kept kept my hands on the mat. And because when I started to punch, I started from my hands being on the mat, about time I returned him and got to a position to punch it, he was able to re-grab my arms again and gum them up again. And that's when I, I, didn't, I didn't really understand where I needed to have my, mat, my hands in correlation to being able to punch and posture and inflate damage.
0: All right, well, you got up after the stand-up and you started to let your hands go, and this was the Rashad that we saw mature during the end of that ultimate fighter season, you land a, a two-three piece, uh, maybe four on him.
2: Teeing off with strikes with Rashad Evans. Caught hoger on a couple of occasions there. Was nice right hands by Rashad, and uh, also very good takedown defense. Look how explosive Rashad is at 205, and and he was more explosive even as an undersized heavyweight than perhaps a Brad Ims, but he's very, very explosive, able to be in total control at this weight, Joe. Yeah, he-
0: Mike, a big fan of your body at two hundred five throughout this entire round. <laughs> Goldberg. There, but uh, <laughs> you start to get in a good rhythm. It seemed here in round one, and that leads to more takedowns. Um, I feel like this was the easiest I've ever seen you take a fighter down. It was like any time you shoot, this guy's on his back. Rashad,
1: yeah, it was man. Like, like it's weird because like now guys fight it a little bit, but back then it, it was kind of weird. He he played the jujitsu game so much, and that's why he was so good off his back because. In those days, guys were winning fights off their back. So, so back then there was a, a heavy influence to get guys to get in your guard and then play, you know, the, the, the shooting triangle game or catch him in some kind of kumura off the back or whatnot. So he had a pretty good off-the-bottom game. So that's why he was so easy to
0: take down. You took him down two more times in that final minute, which seemed to secure the round, and then a little little uh, wildness in the end when you lose your mouthpiece.
2: Mario Yamasaki is going to break him up and replace the mouthpiece of Rashad Evans.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he caught me with a shot. Man, here we go. It right back
2: in his mouth. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't no need any rinse. water. Ten-second rule, just like you do with your kids. Candy's not You have to down there ten seconds.
0: Nice left. Uh, Mike, it's called the five-second rule. Okay, I don't know where you're from, but, uh, <laughs> you know, something rule. hits the ground, you can blow it off after five seconds. Ten seconds, you got a little bit of cooties on there. But Rashad, <laughs> you put that mouthpiece right back in, and you were ready to go
1: yeah i was man because here's the thing man he at that point he caught me with a punch and at that point i was like halfway like a little bit like okay you know when you get caught with a pretty good 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 punch it gives a a nice zing to you and at the same time i was mad that he caught me with it so i'm just like oh okay this was okay Uh, let's get it let's get it
0: well it's key because this fight ended up being very close on the scorecards how did you feel after round one it seemed to me like that's a clear rashad round
1: I felt good. I felt like that was going to be all day. I felt like he really didn't have anything for me on his feet. You know, uh, he kept backing up. I, I was, I was kind of careful. He was a little bit rangy, but that's why I kept uh, in his face and I didn't give him any space.
0: Well, he did start to show a little bit of striking to start round two. Sam Holger comes out swinging. Big knee to the face as you sort of change levels. And then he comes back. I'm sorry, knee to the to the midsection. And then he comes back with an elbow to the face. I don't know, Rashad. Look looked like you, you, were, uh, you, weren't, you weren't hurt, but you, were, you, you felt it. You felt it. You knew he was there.
1: Yeah, I, I did felt it because that knee just kind of slipped up out of nowhere. That knee just kind of like just shot up. And, and at that point, I was like, uh, you know, because once sometimes when you get in a fight, you get an autopilot because it just gets so good and you get into your groove. And the way I fight, I fight with a rhythm. So when you fight with a rhythm – you just start to, to get into your rhythm. And then when something comes and disrupt it, it becomes like, oh, I got I to gotta watch out for that.
0: Well, that, that woke you up. You land an instant takedown. Yamasaki stands you up quick as you were unable to really get any ground to pound going. You start to mix in some shots a minute in, landed some more punches. And then it's all level change takedown. Level change takedown. And you kind of close this off, entering the final minute of the round with a giant slam. Rashad, at this point, I'm like, he's about to be up 2 nothing. I mean, you're slamming this 6'3 fella. And then you get into a little bit of trouble in the final 10 seconds of the round.
2: What we see in Rashad is a very explosive athlete. He's got very quick punches and excellent takedowns, good ground control. what he's missing is a submission game. That's what he's missing. He's missing passing and submitting. Now, that's what he's working on in Albuquerque every day with Greg Jackson and the great camp gonna go. Kamora, Kamora by Sam Hubbard. Oh, it's deep. All right, he's got full guard. Not much time. Not much time at all. Will he get it before? Horn? No. He might
0: get it. He might get it. No, he has to go. We will be back. We'll be back oh, after this man. that. That oh, was legitimately man. dramatic there. 10 seconds, you're holding off for dear life.
1: I was and, and it was really the first time that um I I really like got scared, scared in a fight because it it felt like I was in control. And that's the weird thing about a submission. Like you don't you don't really feel like you've lost position and it feel like it's really getting bad until it's already too late. And that's what I was already starting. I was feeling like, oh man, it's already getting to the point where it's too late for me to save myself. And then that horn sounded and I was like, yes.
0: <laughs> Well, look, they, they were kind of laying in the criticism there about, look, Rashad's taking this guy down at will, but doesn't have the the experience yet to be able to do anything with it, and then he slips you right in that, so it sort of doubled down on that. Um, I, that had to be enough to to take the round, which is kind of crazy, because Hogar lands some strikes in that opening minute that we talked about, but you just dominated the rest of that round, slam, takedown, slam, takedown, two-piece, you think the judges were able to give him just for that one moment there, that 10 seconds?
1: I honestly I honestly don't see that like being um a, a reason why they can give him the whole round. I mean, he he was able to See the thing about it was he wasn't even he wasn't even able to clear position totally and show control because at the time when he was gaining position, this the, the bell rang. I can understand if he ended the round as if like he was working on at Kimura and like five seconds left then you know then i was able to uh then then they they the bell but at that point it was still too much too early to say how dangerous it was or not only i know only i can tell you right now how scared i was they don't know that they're not in my mind
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right how many more seconds would he have needed to either get the tap or the snap
1: I don't, it all depends on how things, how much room I would have got after I rolled over. I, I, I tell you, I rolled over because I got scared. And when you get, when you have to roll over, that's when you get scared. But a lot can happen in that transition. Like when I hop over, he still has to follow me. And if he doesn't follow me smoothly and, I, and there's any room, then I'm going to squirm out.
0: At this point in your career. What's your mindset on that whole idea, tap or snap? Because it's almost like a point of pride for the great Brazilian jiu-jitsu's out there who are like, you, you know, go ahead, break that. I'm still fighting. You know what I mean? Would you have, would you have succumbed and tapped? I mean, is that a responsible mindset to be like, I don't care if you break my arm, I'm not tapping.
1: I'm not, I wasn't going to tap. I, wasn't, I was going was going to have to break it because at, at that point, it was just like it was just so ingrained in my mind that that I couldn't lose, you know, and I didn't believe even when I was in that position that I was gonna lose. So I, I just would have un I-, I would probably let it snap.
0: Oh, wow. wow. All right. We head into round three. It's gonna as we said it's it, the judges could have been split entering here. Sam Holger, you gotta give him a little bit of credit here. Head kick off the start. Oh my god, you heat it. Oh
1: my God. But your
0: right eye is not only swollen <laughs> <it's from laughs> but I don't know if it's from your nose, but that seemed to rock you straight up. I know you got the takedown immediately after, which is full credit to you. How hurt were you from that kick?
1: I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I've fought in a lot of fights, and that was the first time that I've ever instantly felt pain in the fight. Like, at that moment – it wasn't like, I'm going to wait until later on. This is going to hurt later on. It felt instantly. It hit me, and it hit like a nerve that went all the way down my to my feet and then, like, all to my head. And it just kind of, like, it stung, It froze me. It froze me to, to a point where I just reached and grabbed them. And, and when I grabbed them and I was able to get them down, I just held on them for dear life because I'm just like, what in the hell was that? <laughs> what I thought – Because, you know, I couldn't see like I, I remember I said, I really couldn't see my vision was impaired. So I seen a jab come and then I pulled back and then I didn't see the kick at all. And then only last thing I seen was a referee in the corner of my eye. So at that point, I'm like, oh, shit,
0: <laughs> did the referee hit me? You know, did the referee hit? is the referee jumping in on this or what? Yeah. This, is like, this is why I love going through this journey because we're literally watching you grow as a fighter, not only overcoming some of your lack of experience, really. I mean, to, to have the layers of, of knowing how to move this position into here or get out of this, you're just learning on the job. And then here you're legitimately hurt, yet to your credit, you're continuously taking him down. You're able to neutralize that pain. You're able to, despite the swelling and the bleeding, but what would become a potential problem on the scorecards, you're just unable to do anything when you take him down, and Yamasaki standing you up at will. Do you feel like all of those stand-ups were fair?
1: Uh, no, because I felt like they didn't give me a chance to work. I felt like if 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 it was nowadays, you know, you have guys like Habib who implement a game like mine and, 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 uh, and, and now they would be more a little bit lenient to it because with a guy who's so good on the ground, it's really hard to have the instant kind of success once you take the guy down and start passing his guard because – the guy's good like he's been training to not allow you to do that so how are you gonna expect immediate results when you get on the ground you know
0: it's kind of unfair all right we entered this last couple of minutes fight feels like it's up for grab some good scrambles by you but holger slips in one more knee to the face and it seemed to hit you directly in that swollen right eye
2: oh nice knee Rashad was entertaining. Closing up, straight kicks. Those kicks, yeah, yeah. definitive advantage for Hoger. That one kick, the shin that landed to Rashad's eye, is causing him to swell up. Then again, Rashad gets the takedown again.
0: That's the story of the fight. You get hurt, you take him down. Hoger sweeps. He takes your back. You get back to the feet, and you take him down one more time before being stood up with just a couple seconds to go. We hit the bell, the horn to end the fight. Rashad, what is your confidence level? Because that third round. Uh, you know, you scored a lot of takedowns, but you really didn't hurt him at all. He seemed to hurt you twice. Did you feel like it could be two to one Hogar on the scorecards?
1: Um, I felt I felt like I won, but I, I felt at the same time it, it felt as if like it was a lot closer than it was, and, and, and primarily because I was hurt. Whenever you actually get hurt in a fight, it, it actually weighs on your mind. Like, did you actually lose? Because you know, when you, when you don't get hurt, you're like, yeah, I won. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even hurting or nothing. I don't have a bruise. But when you, when, <laughs> you know, when, when you walking out the fight and you're the one with the bigger bruise and you felt like, and you, and you supposedly want to fight, that doesn't feel good. You know? Um, I was just more or less just disappointed because I didn't see the kick. I didn't even see it. And it, and it scared me because it was like, wow, I think I'm so good, but yet I didn't even see that kick.
0: That is, that's interesting. Wow. We head to the judges' scorecards. Ladies and gentlemen, after three rounds of action, we go to the judges' scorecards for a decision. Raul Parada scores the bout, 29-28, Ogre. Ooh. Glenn Trowbridge scores the bout, 29-28, Rashad. And Marcos Rosales scores the contest, 30-27,
2: for the winner by split decision, Rashad!
3: Oh,
0: my God. First of all, right, I, got, I got issues here. All right? Woo! I don't have issues with you winning the fight. I got issues with you winning 30 to 27 in a fight that, especially that third round, he busted you up.
1: Oh, my gosh. You got a, you got a problem with that? Well, I have a problem with the split decision. That should not have been a split decision. I mean, listen, he did catch me with the Kimura, and he did catch me with the kick. But it was a fight of 15 minutes. He did two moves. He did two moves in 15 minutes
0: there. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That guy, I wondered that first judge, though. He he definitely scored that Kimura. Uh, no. Now, here's the deal. You win. No. This is a big win. You're in a co-main event spot. You're the tough champion. You back it up. You show toughness. But that narrative of Rashad doesn't finish fighters, It's it's ramping back up. How happy, relieved, angry. What's your mindset? Because we did not get a post-fight interview because your fight had gone the distance the broadcast was running long they came right back with bonner jardine after commercial what's your mindset after this win
1: um i felt i felt like i I lost the fight to be honest because it wasn't like even even speaking to like dana and those guys afterwards like they were kind of like yeah you won but you know you should have finished them or 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 you know he did catch you and look at your eye it was you know they didn't say look at your eye but you know it 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 wasn't as if, like, they were really happy with my performance, to be honest. Hey,
0: hey Dana, Holger ain't bad, all right? He wasn't <laughs> no, all. No, he wasn't <laughs> bad at all. All right, well, what, to, to close the book on Sam Holger, a year later he would make his final UFC appearance losing a decision to leota Machida at UFC 67. He would fight five more times, going four and one in smaller organizations, mm. including the IFL, eventually retiring in 2010. Rashad, he's 39 years old, still living, the native of Baton Rouge, the Alaskan assassin. Have you ever had any contact again with Sam Holder?
1: Uh, no, I have not. You know, I've seen him uh, one time at a fight, and I think he was like, he, he was working with some fighters. I think he became like a... Uh, um a jiu-jitsu coach and he was also doing like some law enforcement, I believe, but he got he got a lot bigger. Like now he's like a bigger guy. Like he's I don't know, like when I seen him, he was probably about two forty big guy.
0: Interesting. All right. Yeah. Well you get the victory and we talk about four fights in two hundred and ninety four days here, less than a year. This second fight is not even three months later, Rashad. It was April sixth you beat Sam Hoger June twenty eighth, you've got a date with Stefan Bonner. Now Talk to me about what was the perception of Bonner at this point. Now I know he's a UFC Hall of Famer, but to be honest, he, he's a journeyman brawler and we love him. He's a Hall of Famer because of his importance to the company. That first fight with Forrest Griffin, Ultimate Fighter One, we all know that great story. But he hadn't piled up too many losses at this point. What was your mindset and idea of how tough Bonner was going to be at ten and two entering this fight?
1: Well, I mean, he, he was, you know, he, he was the uh you know, he was Forrest's equal, you know, and, and anything in respect you extended to Forrest, you really had to extend to to Stefan Bonner because, you know, there were some people who scored the fight and, and they and they could they scored it for Stefan. So there there was this extension of respect that was given to to Stefan and there was a lot of hype given to him, being the the potential that he had because of the fact that, you know, he had the um the technical skills, but more importantly, he had a, a, a dog in him that you rarely see yes. and, and a mentality that, that was just a, um, a promoter's dream because he was a fighter's fighter.
0: He was 29 years old entering this fight. 10-2, and two, like I mentioned, the one loss to Forrest Griffin, which could have gone either way. He had an earlier loss to Leota Machida when he was stopped under the Jungle Fight banner in Brazil, and he was fresh off wins over Sam Hoger. He submitted James Irvin. And then took a unanimous decision on that same card that you fought Holger against Keith Jardine. So he's coming then there. Pro- I mean, to be honest, this may have been the the peak point of his career from a from a marketing standpoint, from the idea of is this guy a future title contender? Now I know he. He and he went on to fight Anderson Silva and fail a steroid test. We love some Stephen Bonner on this on this part, but this is a legitimate test for Young Rashad. I don't even I don't have the odds in front of me, but I could see easily favoring Stephen Bonner entering into this.
1: Yeah, it was the, uh, favoring Stephen Bonner. You know he um you know he he was, uh, was trained with Andrea Alowski, and he was also trained with Duke Rufus and he he had the more um. The, the more together camp and the more together system and the more together just, just approach to the sport in general than I did at the time. And um, yeah, go, going into it, you know, I was looked at as someone that he was going to, you know, showcase on. And, and I looked at it as like, Oh, they, they think that I'm that guy, you know, I felt as if like, they, they felt like Rashad is good and Rashad is tough, but he's just not, you know, he may never be at that level, but we got Stefan Bonner, and it would be good because it would be a dogfight and it would be a good showcase for Stefan Bonner. That's what I felt going into the fight, or at least that's what Greg Jackson told me every
0: yes. day. <laughs> fire you the heck up. This was back at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Vegas. Ultimate, ultimate Fight Night 5. Headlined, of course, and we've talked about this in the past on this show, by Chris Lieben against Anderson Silva. Oh my gosh. Fighters, UFC debut. Uh, it didn't take him what, but what, 49 seconds to dismantle Lieben. You're in the co-main event spot. Yeah. Featured it, fight is Jorge, uh, George Grigel against Mark Hominick. You got uh, Luke Kumo on this card, your, your uh, ultimate fighter housemate, a little bit of a weirdo. Uh, Josh Koscheck, John Fitch buried on this undercard, but... Uh, this was, um, I remember, you know, the hype ahead of Anderson Silva, obviously coming was big, so this was a pretty big night. I mean, it's a fight night card, but you're, you're positioned in a big spot. This is sink or swim time in so many ways for the potential of Rashad Evans. So I was fired it, up to watch it.
1: It is, you know, for me, um, you know, for me, this was my main event. Even though I was co-main event, but this was my main event because nobody really knew who Anderson Silva was and he was coming in with all this hype. And for me, I'm like, you know, I, I watched a few videos of Anderson Anderson at the time, but I didn't see anything spectacular to be honest. And I was like, Yeah, you know it's do pretty good, but I feel like I should be in the spot. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do. I'm going to use this fight to show them that this is my spot and I shall always be in, in the main event. So I went out there with a little chip on my shoulder. And um, I, I kind of, I, I didn't understand how of a bad man Anderson Silva was going to be and, and is and was until I got to share a locker room that day. Ooh. And I shared a locker room with him that day. And I've never seen a fighter warm up or prepare for a fight the way I see Anderson Silva prepare for a fight. They're, like you see fighters and, you know, they're, they're slapping themselves up. They get nervous. They're throwing up, whatever. Like you see all kinds of different things that people do to get ready to go and make that walk and get into the cage, you know, because it takes a lot inside you to do that. But Anderson Silva was something different. I'm sitting there and I'm in full fight mode because in my mind, like I told you where my mind was at, I should be number one. So I'm about to go in there and I'm about to show everybody that I'm going to destroy the ultimate fighter because that's what they're they're referred to as him and Steph, uh, Forrest Griffin and Steph miner they're referred to as the ultimate fighters. So I was like, I'm going to destroy these guys. So I, um, I had that chip on my shoulder and I look over and Anderson Silva is cool as a cucumber. Like yes, uh, super cool, super relaxed. Yeah, you know, just talking and you know. I love it! I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, and then and then here's a the kicker: Anderson lays down and he's sleeping the whole time while I'm warming up and I'm just like, is this dude even going to warm up? They had to wake him up to wrap his hands. He wraps his hands. He goes back and he lays back down and he just got, he's like knocked out sleep. And I'm just like, this is absolutely amazing. Like
0: you go back and watch that fight, man, he's basically dancing.
1: Yes, yes, so.
0: Shots and just moving. Oh, all right. So here's <laughs> the – set the stage for this Bonner fight. Here's a little sound heading in.
4: Sam Hovind, he was a tough fight. That's what you need because you're going to be – you're going to meet that adversity, you know, in your in your fights. Rashad's a tough guy, and I'm
3: ready for him. I'm ready to destroy him.
2: Bonner!
3: The last fight uh, – was a close one with Jardine. I guess I'm kinda like Rashad. I have close fights
4: too. To beat him, you have to just get down and just get you know, get get on his level. Fight stays on its feet, then you know, I'm gonna knock him out. But if the fight goes to the ground, then I'm gonna submit him. I really haven't shown what I can do on the ground. You know, I may look like I may not be able to do anything, but I mean, got a few surprises.
2: Coming up next, Rashad Evans takes on the American psycho, Stephen Bonner.
0: Uh, Rashad, this is another huge opponent. You're 5'11". Yeah. He's 6'4", with a three-and-a-half-inch reach advantage here uh, and a lot of experience. But uh, we talked about you, – you said in that sound, you'd have a surprise. Once again, your opponent had a surprise. It wasn't Sam Hoger giving you the Stockton slap off the start. But you touch gloves and like two seconds later, Stefan Bonner's doing a step-in axe kick that hits you on the shoulder. Dude, that would have been lights out if that thing connected.
1: It would have been because I didn't even see it coming once again. And it was kind of like one of those things, like, whoa, oh, I got I got to be more careful, you know, because it just it just came out of nowhere. But um, I kind of expected Stefan to kind of do something. A little bit zany because that's the way he kind of, that's his fighting style. And when he fought Keith Jardine, he did some like some craziness too in that
0: fight. Yeah, he did a little craziness against Anderson Silva and got caught big time. <laughs> well, well give him credit. He was well-tanned and well-abbed up for that fight. He was. Yeah. He really was. All right, let's get into this fight. He he misses with that X kick, hits you in the shoulder. You landed an instant takedown in the first minute, but they're standing you up quick. That's the theme here. Another big takedown, this time with a slam at the halfway point. No one really landing anything. You catch a kick attempt, and you slam him one more time And then you start to get in some ground and pound. It seemed like you had an easier time transitioning from takedown to offense against Bonner than you did against Sam Holger.
1: Yeah, um, because what made it easier because uh, with Bonner – you know, I didn't, I didn't want to stand up with him at all while he was fresh, you know, because he, he was such a good boxer. And, that, and that's the thing about Stefan Box- Bonner. He had really, really good boxing and he had really good, uh, clean kick uh, kickboxing as well, too. So I knew I was outmatched in, in the, uh, the, the stand-up department. So whenever it got to the point where it was going to be we're going to have to exchange, I really, really fought as hard as I could to make sure that I was going to make him either contest every takedown and get tired or i was going to get him down
0: interesting so you you got him down you land your first successful grounded pound but then you let him up which was which i thought was interesting maybe you didn't have the best position but that led to a big turning point in this first round you score another monster slam nice
2: inside leg kick by stefan bonner and a big slam Shot up. He's taking Stephen Bonner down at Willis. For you shot. see, what he did there though, he slammed him and he went right into half guard. Instead of like the jujitsu instinct, which is to pass immediately to get to a dominant position, he allowed himself to fall right into a bad spot. Is Joe is Joe being fair there?
1: That what that that I'm um, um so when when he said that I'm allowing myself to fall in a spot and stand in half guard position.
0: Instead of trying to get to pass or get full or or well, go side or
1: well, I mean in those days, that's what he, he thought. Like, that's what you taught. You taught, you know, you pass the guard and you get inside control and stuff like that. But back then, Greg was teaching us something different. And now you see it more like guys with Kane Velasquez and they stay inside of half guard. And it's actually a better position to do ground and pound for, you know, because once, once you're inside position, you're, you're constantly playing that game of balance and him trying to pop you up. But when you're in half guard, you you have an anchor, and he's always trying to, he's trying to go into you to gain position. So he has to go into your punches. You know what I'm saying? He puts himself in a way of going into your punches versus you trying to hold them and then trying to land punches. You know?
0: It's it's clear that Joe is uh, not upset, maybe disappointed. He feels like you should be able to do more. He followed it up with a quote. Rashad had an excellent opportunity to be in a dominant position there, but he kind of squandered it a little. Rashad, I didn't know if you could hear him because you responded to that comment with one more slam that ended with you landing some Fedor-style ground and pound that left Bonner bloody. You finally had your breakthrough moment there in the final minute. What went on for you to finally be able to start landing?
1: Um, I just At that point, like as the fight went on, I just felt like Bonner was getting more and more frustrated. You know, Bonner's a very emotional par- fighter. And I knew if I engaged him on an emotional level, then he'll lose his cool. And that's what you see happening. And that's why I, I, I stood up and I knew I can take him down because he was getting really aggressive. And when guys get over aggressive, they get mad, it's easier to take them down <laughs> because they're swinging with more rage. So that's what made it easier for me to get him down. And the more I took him down, I was just hearing him. He was, like, he was grunting like he was, he was making sounds, and I could hear him getting frustrated. So I just kept on doing what I was doing to him.
0: Well, you, it's clear that you dominated this round. We know a slam uh, you know, can physically hurt, if not sometimes knock out, if a fighter hits the back of their head on the way down. Does it take a lot out of the person doing the slam, though? Because is about four recorded slams in this round for you.
1: No, not if you do it right. If you do it right, their body hits first, and that's what you want to do. Sometimes if you don't slam them right and you want to slam them too hard, you can actually make your body take the impact first before theirs hit the ground, and that's when you see guys get knocked out.
0: Well, you hit one more slam in the closing seconds to really put the exclamation point on round one.
2: Let's see if Bonner can engage at all. Right now, Rashad Evans is imposing his will on Stephen Bonner. And Bonner really, if you looked at the if, if you looked at the breakdown coming into tonight, was the more versatile striker. But round one clearly belongs to Rashad Evans. He finishes strong. You can Let's take a look at some of that action from that first round. There's Rashad's fiance. Look at this big slam by Rashad. <laughs> Up
0: and boom! If you could hear the thud, and they flash to the crowd, and the Rashad Evans family is going sick. We got to find out who these people are. The lower third says Latoya Brown, fiance, and she's yeah. fired the heck up. Who is the woman next to her?
1: That was my sister. That was my ex wife and my sister, and they used to go crazy. Look, my ex wife would get to the point where it's like she was the kind of woman like if I was in a fight, she was jumping in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it, like it, they would have to go to her before the fights and be like, and get security around her to be like, listen, you know, because she will get to the point where She'll get crazy. She'll get crazy. She will fight.
0: <laughs> Shout out to Latoya Brown on that. There was one more fella, a tall, angly looking white guy. I got to be honest, he looks a lot like our podcast producer, Mikey Moremile.
1: <laughs> Who is that yeah.
2: fella?
0: Do you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. That guy, um, that guy was my brother in law. That guy was my brother in law. Yeah, he, he uh, he he was down for the cause too, man. Really? All right.
0: Shout out to Team Evans there. It's clearly a 10-9 round. We get into round two. You land a nice right hand, but Bonner's crafty. Couple knees start to leak to leak in on you. You land another takedown, maybe a little, little bit of a slam there, but then you eat a spinning sidekick. This is like Dennis siever style to the gut. How much did that take out of you? Because this is the beginning of Bonner starting to assert himself.
1: Um, it, it didn't really hurt me too much cause I was going into it and it kind of like almost missed me, but I was, I was, I was prepared for the spinning attacks and I thought he was going to do a lot more because that's what he would do with, uh, with, with force, but we trained it and he did a lot with, uh, Jardine as well too. So whenever he spent, spun, I was supposed to just dart in every single time, just dart in and not give him, not
0: give him any ground at all to make space. Uh, that was really all for the end of the second round for Bonner's offense. The announced team assumed you were hurt replays after, like you mentioned, show that the kick didn't really land flush. You get another takedown with 90 seconds to go, but I'm starting to see some deep breaths happening Is Rashad, where's your gas tank at this point, the end of round two in the overall scheme of your career at seven and oh,
1: um, it's, it's, it's getting tested pretty well, you know, because, um, you know, I, I, I wrestle a lot, but. To take somebody down like that in a fight, like that's a lot of takedowns. I don't even know how many times it took them down, but it was it was a lot of takedowns. To take somebody down that many times in a wrestling match, which is only six minutes, would be a lot. So I'm already ten minutes in the hole taking this dude down like it, it's my job. You know, well, it is my job, but taking him down like it's my <laughs> business. And uh, I was getting it was getting to me.
0: All right, round two ends. I got it, 2 nothing, Rashad. And we mentioned your cheering section going nuts. Here's a little clip. There is
2: Stefan Bonner's brother, Brent, in attendance here tonight. <laughs> Rashad Dude, Evans, crazy, yeah, no question. Rashad <laughs> Evans, Latoya Brown, Rashad Evans' fiancé. <laughs> he is fired up. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see a fight between <laughs> Stefan's brother <laughs> and <old> Rashad's fiancé.
0: Watch out for the knee <laughs> when you... Ha-ha, <laughs> LaToya going sick right there. As she, the was going,
1: she was going crazy. She was going to hurt somebody.
0: Uh, I don't know what, what became of Stefan Bron- Stephen Bonner's brother there, but that dude looked like he was, like, the bassist for, like, uh, Eve 6 or something. That guy looked like he was either going to be uh, getting me high or maybe removing my organs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looked intense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rogan closes the round by saying, I think so far Rashad is winning this fight. I had to believe that too, Rashad. We go to round three another big slam 30 seconds into it you're getting some good grounded pound at the halfway mark you pass to side guard for the first time you're landing shots suddenly you're winning Joe Rogan over
2: speaking of dominant are you surprised at how dominant Rashad has been Rashad's
0: explosive
2: he's a difficult dude to hold on to he's very fast (laughs) very quick on his feet and he's got a, lo- a tremendous amount of heart. I mean, that heart was doubted by, you know, some people after that first fight in the Ultimate Fighter. They thought he was showboating. But you know what, man? You know, first time in the octagon, even on the Ultimate Fighter, people make mistakes. and do something wrong. And he has proven himself to be quite a warrior since then. certainly didn't like the early showboating.
0: Oh, come on. Jump to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> hey. He, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yo, Joe, you turned Joe around in this fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's slowly starting to turn, but even though I mean, he's, he's, he's giving me props, but he's still not giving me props on the technical level yet. you know He's still saying that he's still saying that I'm beating these guys who are technically skilled just on physicality, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, no, these guys are bigger than me.
0: Well, Goldie loves your body. He thinks it's a wonderland. <laughs> and every turn, Goldie brings back that Matt Hughes story like, like it's going on oh his style. God. Just a reminder, Rashad's a little bit of a showboater, and Matt Hughes didn't like it. All right, the horn hits. Rashad, rewatching this? I'm like, you just kicked the crap out of Stefan Bonner. He had that sidekick. He had a couple sneaky knees, but it was like 10 to nothing on takedowns at least. You slammed the crap out of him. I thought it's 30-27 on all three, but we go to the scorecards.
2: here's Bruce Buffer.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, after three rounds of action, we go to the judges' scorecards for a decision. Nelson Hamilton scores the contest 30-27. Okay. Cecil People scores it 29-28. All right. And Dolby Shirley scores the bout 29-29 for the winner hey, this- by majority decision. Rush to Latoya right there. Uh, it's two thousand six. That's Dolby Shirley, the third judge, who at that point was an old as dirt veteran boxing uh official. Yeah. That's where we were at. Some people think we're still there in twenty twenty where we have too many recycled boxing guys (laughs) that don't have an MMA background. This was 14 years ago. What the hell was Dolby Shirley watching, scoring that 29-29?
1: I don't know, and and that and that's the thing. Like you, like it was. If you watch the fight, it was my pressure the whole time. My pressure, 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 pressure. The guy didn't have any really bright spots in the whole entire fight, and maybe he scored like that because I didn't uh, stand and engage with him for too long. I don't know what it was, but we we are removed from that extreme in some extent but at the same time we're really not to be honest you know what i'm saying we're really not it was just it's just that was just bad judging
0: yeah straight up uh let's go to the post fight interview with rashad evans Evans with joe rogan all right i'm here with the winner rashad
2: evans rashad congratulations you had a look on your face one judge ruled it a draw was that was that surprising to you
3: yeah it was surprising um i felt i pretty much dominated maybe slowed up in the second round but I thought I had it all the way through.
2: Yeah, I thought so as well. Do you, it seemed to be a case of just too explosive, too fast, too much athleticism. Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that after
3: the first minute or so, I was able to get his timing down. So I was able to shoot. Whenever he take that heavy step, that's what I was looking for. All
2: right, take a look at the replay right now.
3: I was just trying to get around his butt so when I picked him up and slammed him, he didn't catch me in the guillotine and try
2: to make it hurt a little bit too and look pretty. Well, you did a great job of avoiding any submission attempts and dominating all the action. Congratulations. We look forward to seeing you again. Rashad Evans, ladies Woo-hoo! and
0: gentlemen. All right, two things from that, Rashad. One, what's with the like Mike Tyson voice coming out of you right there? I mean, I think I feel that's to shout back to your uh, impression.
4: i impetuous, and my defense is impregnable.
0: And number two – Joe just can't give you the credit. Well, Rashad, you were just more athletic than him. at
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I. You know. I think. I think. I. The, the. Mike Tyson came out of me because I watched a lot of Mike Tyson. You know what I'm saying? So after a while, I just got. You know, my It just. Started, it just started flowing. You know. But yeah. I. You know what? I think it was with Joe. I think it was like, like, they. You know, because they. 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 They really had a lot of endearment for stefan bonner and those guys you know and to finisher, see him, they still yeah. they
0: still get drunk for finishers today i mean it's yeah it's that's, a, i mean there's bonuses built in for that kind of thing
1: right right so that's that's what it was you know it took a long time for me to win joe over long time
0: well it didn't take you a long time to become a finisher but this was the last fight on that narrative that we talked about and mind you look stefan bonner doesn't get finished that often so uh it's not like you know and this was the toughest fight of your career uh, how much were you still hearing, or maybe even your inner self with insecurity saying, "Am I that badass? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm an eight and zero. I'm from undefe- seven zero. Whatever. I'm undefeated, but it's going to the cards every single time. I'm like prime GSP right now."
1: Um, it, it started to get to me, to be honest. You know, I, I tried to not let it get to me, but uh, the more I had to answer questions about it, um, it started to play into my mind because, you know, as I fight and the longer the fight goes, you know, I start, it started to play in my mind like, oh, man, dude, how much risk do I take? Because I don't want it to go into the cards again. And, um, you know, when you're when you're out there and you're fighting, you're going against a guy who's who's trying to win, too, you know, and, and it's really hard to to risk it all in a position where if you just keep on the steady pressure, you're going to win the fight. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it just, it's, it's kind of hard when, when, when the, the result of you gambling and being wrong is an ass whooping, <laughs> you know,
0: that's true. Uh, we, we know Bonner, uh, went on to, you know, alternating wins and losses a lot to close his career. UFC hall of famer, a, a fun guy. We love him. What's the history of your friendship or rivalry or anything after this fight?
1: Uh, we became buddies, man. You know, I hung out with him and party with him a few times. Uh, Realize I I can't really party with Bonner. Bonner's on another level. (laughs) But uh, Bonner was always a cool guy. You know, he's one of the good guys of the sport and just a genuine guy. You know, funny, funny as heck outside, inside, you know, inside the the sport as well, too. You know, I think that when it comes to guys that I've worked with and other professional bases, I think that he had a natural ability to be an analyst, but just never really developed it. But he was actually really talented
0: at that, too. All right, we continue this journey. These four fights bursting on the scene, less than 300 days. It was not even three full months later. Is that a normal schedule for a fighter who's young, up and coming, learning quickly to just keep reloading every three months? That's like Cowboy Cerrone style.
1: You know, um, when I first started, that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to have four fights a year, and I wanted to stay as busy as possible. Um, I I wanted to make some money, and I wanted to – I want. I had so much to prove, and and the fact that they kept on saying, you know, doubting my skill level when I knew I was good, it just made me want to fight even more.
0: All right. Well, you get a big opportunity here. Your first pay per view card. It's UFC 63, the rematch. Matt Hughes defending his welterweight title against BJ Penn, September 23rd, 2006. We're going to Anaheim, California, the Arrowhead Pond. Uh, co-main event, Mike Swick and David Loiseau, we got Melvin Gillard on there, your old tough housemate, Joe Lozon's on there. You're in the fourth position on the pay-per-view card, the second fight of that main card there, Rashad. Uh, how, how pumped up are you? And, and what are you feeling about your placement in the company now? I mean, that Bonner win, however you want to slice it is a big deal.
1: I felt, I felt like this was my debut. You know, I felt like I was fighting in the little leagues before, but this is the first time I was fighting on a big show and I'm fighting in the car with guys that I want to get their picture and autograph from, you know, I'm fighting on a car with Matt Hughes and BJ Penn. And these are the guys that I grew up watching on TV. So for me, it's just like, I've arrived. It felt like I've arrived. And, you know, uh, I felt like I'm, I'm part of, it felt like it was the first time I'm actually fighting in the UFC.
0: And you are facing a guy whose name doesn't resonate a ton nowadays. But at this point, Jason Lambert was 29 years old, 22 and five, riding an eight fight win streak. He just stopped Brandon Lee Henkel, had stopped Terry Martin before that, submitted Rob McDonald. Uh, This guy was on a hell of a run. He hadn't lost in, in about five years since Chael Sonnen, took a decision from him at Gladiator Challenge. His only losses before that had been to household names like Tim Sylvia, Cabbage Correa, et cetera. Uh, what were you thinking about this matchup here against a guy who, for the first time, is basically your size? You've got a one-inch height advantage, and you guys both have a 75-inch reach coming in.
1: Um, I knew it was going to be a big test for me, but I felt like it was, it was a good matchup. And, and like you said, he was my size, so it allowed me to feel – really confident going into the fight because I, I haven't really even seen anybody my size. So to fight somebody my f- size, I felt, I felt confident, but at the same time I knew that he was um, he was very tough and he had, he had the, like an old school veteran, uh fighting style which which at the time was very difficult you know because you know these guys they fought in those circuits for so long and it was before they even were even keeping records you know so a lot of these guys they had fights that they they weren't even counting because they fought on indian reservations or without any um any place where they had any kind of um any kind of authority or any kind of uh commission so um he was one of those guys and I knew he was tough, so I was like, you know what? I feel like my side, my my ability to wrestle is going to come into play. But I know he's going. I know if he, he if I give a little bit, he's going to put the pressure on.
0: Absolutely, and he was confident coming in. That he sets.
4: If if he's expecting a three round grind, he's in for a rude <laughs> awakening.
2: Uh, I don't see it going towards the third round. On the Ultimate Fighter
0: too. And so Mike continues to. Uh, play the narrative. Rashad can't finish, guys, but hey, Rashad's a growing fighter. And uh, Lambert says it's not going to go the distance. He's proven right, but here's yeah. Rashad. After
4: that fight. I'm just going to be thinking about putting this guy away. You know, I know I got skills. I know I'm a better fighter than he is, and I know
0: I can put him away. Coming up next. Yeah, bring it, Mike. Uh, what, was that a, a um, rallying cry in camp with Coach Jackson that this is the fight we're going to get the knockout?
1: Um, yeah, it, it was kind of like, uh, we, we kind of thought in, uh, the Bonner fight, I can get the finish, but we, uh, he was definitely, you know, making it so like, we're going to get the finish. And, and, and he also was like, um, he was also telling me at the same time, he said, don't make a big deal about it and, and don't start to worry about just getting the finish, getting the finish. He said, it's going to come. He said, but you just got to keep that pressure on as long as you keep that pressure on you're going to get in a position and you're going to get that finish.
0: Well, Rashad, a spoiler alert. This is the fight. You became a championship contender. In my mind, you beat the shit out of Jason Lambert. It started with a nice little hip toss. takedown. You land some shots against the fence. You're pushing the pace. Another big slam halfway through that first round. He uh, gets a Kimura attempt on you and a reminder this is what almost got you into trouble against Sam Holger, a little past the halfway point of the round. How would you feel about your ability to slip out of that?
1: Um, I felt really confident when, when he got me in it because it felt as if, like, after the whole situation happened with Sam Holger, uh, Greg Jackson drilled the Dan Kamura ad <laughs> nauseum to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't get caught in it in my sleep, you know. Um, and, and it just became something I became so comfortable to. So when he did, I'm just like, he didn't have a chance.
0: Well, not to echo the announcers, but the athleticism and explosiveness (laughs) was there. Although the technique was bubbling up along with it, let's get a little taste of that. Oh, yeah!
2: Good first round by Rashad Evans. That athleticism is just so hard to deal with. Rashad is so explosive. You know, you kind of get the feeling with Rashad Evans if he wanted to play football, he would have been an All-American wide receiver. If he wanted to play hoops, he would have been an All-American point guard. I mean he's got that type oh, of athleticism. Similar to a Josh Koscheck, similar to even a Melvin Gillard who's going much younger but going to fight here tonight. And on top of that, he's also got dedication and intelligence. Thank you. Matter. That's you. a Thank you. combination. That's Can we give like this
0: that. guy credit and stop just saying, like the other black fighters, he could have been yeah, this? Oh one. my I'm gosh. But listen, but listen,
1: that's that was that, that we've come a long way. We've come a long way. And we've come a long way on just just even the way we speak about fighters, you know, but as you can tell what was going on here. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, I gotta have more skill besides just being athletic.
0: You I know mean what I'm have we seen your hoops game? <laughs> could you really been an all America point? No, guard? I couldn't, I couldn't. It's terrible. I'm a terrible <laughs> basketball player. <laughs> Luckily you could fight it. You put it on Jason Lambert here to start round two. This is the beginning of the end. A nice right hand. You get a low single leg takedown um, you are mauling this guy.
2: And down he goes take again. Down. Good right solid takedown, side control, control. And, and he's up. got the mount. Very nice. And plenty of time to work with it here in the second round.
0: Now, Rashad, you didn't finish him in this, but you go full mount from takedown. This is, we're watching the evolution here.
1: Yeah, um, and, and, and I felt like, uh, like I felt as if like I could have done it earlier, but at the point I was just listening to Greg, Greg, Greg Jackson, you know, just allowing the fight just to come to me and allowing the pressure be the medicine that I need to find that 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 hole to get the finish.
0: Well, Rashad had worked on finishing and becoming that explosive guy, and you put it on good old Jason Lam- Lambert to close this off.
2: Jason Lambert's taking some big shots. It's it. Event this fight is. Rashad wow. Evans finishes Jason Lambert in the second round. Jason had taken a couple shots earlier. Wow. Jason had taken a couple shots earlier
0: and then finished the job. Hello, world. I do have the ability to finish. Whoa, 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 oh, whoa. Let's, let's, let's clean that up a little bit. Uh, all seriousness, Rashad, that's like, that was like a schoolyard beating at the end there. What What does that feel like in that moment?
1: It felt so good, man, because um, it was starting to get to me. You know, as you can tell by the narrative of Mike, you know, that was just echoing around anything Rashad Evans. Can he finish a fight? He's pretty good. He's athletic and all those things. But does he have the ability to compete with the guys at the next level? In order to do that, you got to be able to finish fights. And um, finally being able to do that, it was a graduation in a sense that I do have the ability to compete with the, the those guys who do finish fights in dramatic fashion.
0: And like, look, dude, Jason Lambert was on an eight fight win streak against names. Like you, he didn't have a moment in this fight, Rashad.
1: Right. And that, and that's another thing. Like, it, it was like, um, it, it was, it wasn't, you know, it was, there was another thing. It's like, if, if a guy could be good, But if I beat him, then he was just like "Ah, he wasn't really that good. That's what I felt like. But you know what? That's the mindset that kept me kept me going. Because if you're not thinking like that, yeah, you gotta you gotta think like that. It's it's paranoid and it's crazy. But if you're not thinking like that, then you're not gonna be the best.
0: You need that edge. Let's hear from Rashad. Here's Joe. All right, I'm here with the winner and star of the Ultimate Fighter, Rashad
2: Evans. Rashad, this is probably your most impressive victory to date. Do you agree with that?
3: I agree with that because I got to finish the opponent finally.
2: And probably your most, uh, probably the most difficult test today. A lot of people thought this was going to be a tough fight for you.
3: Yeah, Lambert's been around. He fought a lot of uh, seasoned bets in the game, and uh, he's won himself, so it was a big test for me. Talk us through the end of the fight here. Uh, I took him out, and I just started pounding away. I felt him pushing on my hips, so I was like, okay, there's nothing upstairs, so I just started pounding. And I caught him with one good shot, and I see him kind of, his
2: eyes roll back, so I knew I had him. Now, Rashad, in your game plan, how far do you think it is between now and when you challenge for the title? Whoa! Um, you
3: know, uh, that's a tough question, you know. I mean, it's not like it's some chunks of the title, so I want to take my time and mature my game and uh, my mindset, so when I step up to the level, I'll be ready.
2: Well, congratulations on your continued improvement. We look forward to seeing you again. Rashad Evans, ladies
0: and gentlemen. Rashad, I am, they're already talking title for you. I know. The Narrative right here. You're 8 0. First stoppage, you got some big wins over Jardine and Bonner, but I love that you didn't even take that bait and be like, "Yeah, I'll tell you what," and I want Liddell, I want no, you're like, "I'm working on this thing right here."
1: Yeah, you know I, that that was the thing that uh, Greg Jackson always instilled in us, you know, and it was just you know be comfortable with the process and not try to rush the process and and really understand that each and every single fight has something to offer you in way of the total picture of becoming a champion, you know, and, and I felt like when, when Greg Jackson became the most famous coach, it was because of the mindset that he instilled in his fighters. You know, he, he, would, he would train us in a way that, that you, you see people in, you know, the Marines, you know, the, the Navy SEALs and stuff do, you know, the kind of stuff where they go on missions and, you know, they don't, you may not come back. And he, do, he did those kind of things to us in order to make us feel that feeling of, of I might not come back from here. Because he knew once you got comfortable with feeling that feeling of despair, that, that very prim, prim, uh, primitive feeling of despair, then there's nothing that a fight can bring to you in a way of fear.
0: Love it! I love it. Uh, yeah, I was wrong. You were nine and zero at this point. And a little postscript on Jason Lambert: He bounced back from this loss to knock out Babalu Sobral the following year at UFC sixty-eight, winning fight of the night, knockout of the night. Unfortunately, that started a five-fight losing streak that lost him his job at UFC. He did resurface in two thousand thirteen, going one and one in Bellator before retiring. Uh, forty-two years old today. A native of Long Beach, California. Any future combat with the contact with the Punisher, Jason Lambert.
1: No, I never talked to him again after that whole situation. I don't think he really liked me, <laughs> but I never, talk- <laughs> I never talked to him again after that, to be honest.
0: All right. We advance, Rashad, to the fourth fight, the last fight before you really began to step up, and this fight is so well-remembered because of how you finished it against Sean Salmon, but this was January 25th, 2007, about four months after the Lambert fight, UFC Fight Night 8 but it 's your first main event opportunity. Uh, not going to lie you 're a big time favorite heading into this fight in Hollywood, Florida. This feels like showcase all the way. Rashad's a finisher now he 's a potential future title contender he 's got a great personality. Oh boy, is he athletic too let 's put him at the top of a card. What does this mean for a fighter to get this treatment at this point in your career?
1: It, it was pretty good. you know I felt as if like you know they they my efforts in the Stefan Bonner fight paid off and they were finally starting to, you know, believe in me and the company. And, uh, you know, and, and even this, the, um, even at the, uh, the, the, um, the Jason Lambert fight, I got my first backroom bonus. And that's when the UFC used to back, go back there. And it was like the mob, you know, they'd come back there and be like, oh, I want to talk to you. You know, they they'd hook you up, you know? And, and, uh, you know, Dana White and Lorenzo, those guys, they were really, really good about that. And um, they came and they, they, uh, they hooked me up and they let me know, like, yo, you go out there and you compete like that, we'll hook you up like this. So off the heels of that, I'm finally feeling like, OK, I got I got the juice now. You know, I, got, I can do this. I got the company behind me. And they're putting me in uh, in a big, important fight because um, they're launching a new show on Spike TV. So I, I was, you know, they want to have, they want to launch, they want to have a a UFC fight and then keep the viewers from that to launch a new show. Like they, what was this
0: new show? I'm seeing it on the poster. Rampage's faces on it.
1: I forget. I forget what it was to be honest, but it was like, they were, they were, they were, they were, um, they were, it was like they were doing a piggyback something off a spike. I forget at the time.
0: Yeah, the pros versus Joes.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what it was, pros versus Joes. And
0: they promised an interview with Rampage Jackson, I guess on the show or after the show. Yes, yes. You watch the 8 o'clock fight night card, 10 o'clock you move over, you get a Rampage interview, you get Pros and Joes. Uh, you're the headliner, Jake O'Brien and Heath Herring, and the co-main event, Hermes Franca and Spencer Fisher rounding out the main card. All three of you share the poster, you, Jake O'Brien, and Hermes Franca, but you get that center point. Do you still have that poster today, Richard?
1: No, I do not, man. I I think I may have it somewhere, but I think it may be in storage, but I haven't seen it in a long time. If anybody right. has a poster, let me know. <laughs>
0: so This is uh, Sean Salmon's uh, UFC debut he only ends up fighting twice in the UFC loses both fights but he's nine and one coming in his only loss to David Heath the previous year under a uh, uh, fight fest banner in Texas what did you know about Sean Salmon uh, looking back it's easy to say he was the lamb to the slaughter uh, try to just try to argue that he's not coming into it
1: yeah, he he was, but originally I was scheduled to fight somebody else, and he came in at short short notice. I forget the guy who I was originally supposed to fight, but he came in at short notice, and uh, there was no tape on him at all. Like there was like maybe one tape on him, and it was like a really short fight. It was like a minute where he just like wrestled and took the guy down. It, it, there was no there was no match, uh, nothing on him. I had to resort to watching him. Russell in college to be able to just even have an idea of how he moved because there was nothing on him
0: interesting well we can't always uh speak to wikipedia's accuracy but there is a sentence in here that originally scheduled for the main card was about between middleweights nate marquardt and dean lister that's right and Spike tv influenced the eventual decision to remove the bout from the main card Oh, so the bout still happened. It was the prelim main event, not a big deal. It doesn't say who your original opponent was. Interesting, but uh, you were at the uh, you were the second highest, no, the third highest paid fighter on this card, according to Wikipedia. Rashad, you made twenty four k for this, but Heath <laughs> Herring, who was of course a big time name coming out of Pride and Hero, made sixty thousand for his co main event slot. Are you okay oh, with win. that in hindsight?
1: I mean, I I mean, hindsight, hindsight. I mean, I had to start. You have to start somewhere, you know. And coming from where I came from, I was just getting off the Ultimate Fighter contract, so that was that was. Actually, I was still on Ultimate Fighter contract, so that was uh, that was good money back then.
0: Clay Guida making five G's on that undercard. Yikes! Um, So we said what we said about Sean Salmon. And look, if you only know this fight from the head kick knockout, you're going to assume this guy sucks. You look at his Wikipedia, you're going to say, yeah, maybe this guy sucks. Rashad, he don't suck. He don't suck. This was an interesting fight. I had no idea that he was lighting you up at time. <laughs> you, know you don't have the video to to prepare oh for him. God, but this turned out to be a little bit interesting. Let's play some sound to lead us. <laughs> <episode.
4: laughs> yeah. They say Rashad is a wrestler. They just get ready for me to wrestle him, and then they don't take into account that I have pretty good striking ability. <laughs> I think they take my uh, striking skills lightly, and, and I'm very happy to take my striking skills lightly.
3: because
2: yeah,
3: I got to finish the opponent finally. I
4: would to knock somebody out all death. You know, I mean, tapping out is fun. You know, but it's nothing like the satisfaction of seeing somebody lose consciousness. Yeah, his bobbing and weaving isn't really going to help him defend a takedown very well. I know he's a wrestler from Ohio State, and I know a couple people who wrestled him, and I've seen some of his his wrestling tapes, so. I, uh, got a pretty good idea you know what Sean's about when I decide to take you down you're going down he's going to have a lot of a lot of pressure on him just so nervous you know he may not be able to he may get stage fright when he gets out there I have a lot to prove my first time in the UFC against a a top notch opponent that I actually was asking for the fight so I I think the first part of the fight is probably going to be very exciting I belong here in the UFC and not only do I belong here but I belong near the top I feel like I can compete with anybody in the UFC in the light heavyweight uh, division I've trained for three rounds but this fight is not going past the first. I'm going to win this fight in the first round. I'm going to catch him in a big hit, knock him out, get on top of him, and
0: finish him off. You know what I took from that is Sean Salmon is looking at you as an athletic guy who he can take down at will. Very interesting. They did play up the Michigan State versus Ohio State rivalry. Did you cross pass with this fella before in your collegiate wrestling days?
1: No, I, I didn't, but I, I would wrestle a lot of guys from Ohio State, and I don't think I've uh, – I don't think I lost to anybody from Ohio State. I will beat everybody from their team. So uh, I was saying, I was like, man, I never lost a guy from Ohio State, so there's no way you're going to beat me anyway. You know, that little corny line. Um, but, I mean, he he was, you know, here's here's the thing. So before the fight, he was trying to go after my fan base. It seemed like, and because you know where I got that from? I got that from my mom. <laughs> my mom called me. <laughs> my mom called me. My mom called me with that narrative. My mom called me with that narrative. So she called me and she said, Rashad, look. Rashad, look. This kid that you fighting, Rashad, listen. He's he, he, he saying he's going to take all your fans, Rashad. And he's saying he's going to leave you knocked out, Rashad, in your own blood, Rashad. He's talking cash trash. Rashad, listen. When you hit him, Rashad, keep him hit, Rashad. Finish him. That's what my mom is saying. Oh. Now, now. Now, this is my mom before, at one point, when she t- used to be like this, Rashad, you keep on fighting, your ass going to end up in jail. Like, that's, that's what my mom used to say. So to hear her come from that to now give me fight advice is quite shocking, you know?
0: Wow. Um, I love the cash trash comment <laughs> from uh, Mrs. Rashad. Shout out to that. Uh, another fighter your size, you have a one-inch height advantage. You have a half-inch reach advantage. And we talk about these fights starting off weird. It's not just the weird standing at <laughs> kick at them from Bonner or the slap from uh, Holger. What the hell was Sean Salmon trying with this weird karate? Let's hear the announce team just straight clown him.
4: Salmon looked like
2: he's going to try a side Yeah,
0: karate kick there. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh, no style points. Indeed, by the way, shout out to Randy Couture, who I always thought was such an underrated uh, commentator there. But uh, did that throw you off at all when he came out with some kata, basically, against you? It did because, like, like
1: I I knew, like, he, his his stand-up was kind of, like, ugly looking. But when he did that, I was just like, I was like, what is this? Because I'm going to tell you right now, a guy who fights like that and does some un- unorthodox things, they're a lot harder to fight because – they catch you because you don't see them moving typically how you used to seeing people move. So they catch you with that, and that's what kind of had me like, oh man, he's one of these
0: guys. Uh, he was one of these guys. Like I said, you know, we talked about this KO before. He's got a funny name. You kick him in the face, but this first round, dude, uh, nice little like crafty counter strikes. He he slides by nicely, takes your back from a standing position. And then he takes you down. Buckeyes in the house, Rashad. What's going through your head?
1: Um, I was extremely frustrated. And remember how I was saying before, like when I fought Stefan Bonham, like the matter I got, the matter he got, the easier it was for me to, to take him down. Well, that happened to me because he took me down one time off of like a little slide by, I believe it was. And I was kind of like, mm, all right. That felt. Then he got me down again. And then it was, it was like I was kind of embarrassed that he got me down. But I was, I was working on something. Like I was all camp. Me and Ali, we trained something, right? Like I was work, I was working on like uh, all kinds of kicks and all kinds of like the flashy stuff because I wanted to follow up from what I did to Jason Lambert. And me and Ali would spar every single night.
0: we talking about the manager of the stars, Ali Abdelaziz.
1: <laughs> I mean, Ali Abdelaziz, yeah. Me and Ali, he, he was my, he was my trainer partner. So. At
0: the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's <laughs> yeah, at, 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 yeah.
1: exactly. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, exactly. So me and Ali would train and, uh, and, and that's why when, when I came out there, I was trying to do so much stand up and not really neglecting the wrestling because I wanted to be known for knocking people out.
0: This feels like when you're playing a video game and you're trying for that like you know hail mary play, and then you know in the meantime the other guy's kind of chipping away. Yes, at you. Yes, um, yes. You ate a couple elbows on the ground, and like oh I said, God. I was not prepared for this. They stand back up. You eat a nice solid right hand, leaving the clinch, then a big right cross from Salmon. Did he have some some uh, some pepper on that steak at all?
1: Yo, first of all, Sam. Uh, that I mean, um, he was. He, he was a lot better than I thought he was. Like, I honestly, it, 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 was, it was like one of those things where it's like, um, it's like he's remembered for getting knocked out. But what I remember in that first round, I remember how good he was. And I remember thinking like, yo, this dude is like, it was the first time I ever lost a round. Like, I, I felt like it was the first time I lost a round in a long time. And I'm just like, wow, this, it, this is just really happening to me.
0: So you attempt a kick, maybe part of the stuff you're working on with Ali, but he catches it, takes you down again. Oh He's mixing in punches to your credit. You work back to your feet. But then the, the round basically comes to a slowdown. It's almost as if you are mentally resetting going, okay, uh, maybe, maybe we should put that plan out of the way and just get back to winning this. But then a little bit of foreshadowing, Rashad, you come real close in the final, ten, uh, final 30 seconds to landing the same right footed head kick that you end up finishing the fight with was that did you guys notice was that part of the plan all along because when i watched it, i'm like oh he got lucky there he just you just missed
1: well he's a southpaw and i knew that he kind of kept leaving his head and hanging his head for there so that's why i kept going for the head kick and that was something that we picked up on in training camp mike Winklejohn and and um and, my, and and he was working that with me and that's what me and ollie was working on we we're working on that kick because he was a softball, and Ali is a natural softball, too. So that's what made Ali the perfect training partner. So when uh, I was trying to get the timing for it, and I barely was getting it, I seen that he was getting more comfortable, and he was getting more comfortable because he was getting he was getting cocky. And, he, and here's the thing about it. It was the first time I ever had anybody talk trash to me. He was talking Whoa. trash to me out there, too. Yeah, man, he was talking trash to me. So I remember feeling like, Cat, first was cash time, trash? it was like, cash trash, cash trash. You talk cash trash when I was out there fighting, and uh, it, it was starting to bother me a little bit. And it was the first time in a fight I actually got mad.
0: Well, uh, I'll give you guys credit. Uh, we didn't get to see the corner audio between rounds because of the commercial break. Do you remember if there was any panic because you came out real strong in round two? Where what was the corner like?
1: There was there was no panic. Uh, Greg uh, was super calm. He's like, hmm, well get the first round out you know got the jitters out okay now let's go let's now let's get to work and Mike Winklejohn you know was on me like hey let's get to work let's stay to the plan let's set up our combinations let's let's pick this guy apart and uh, I remember going back to the corner at the end of the first round and I look over and Dana White his you know how the, the table's right there well my stool is right there and his table's right there and I look at him and me and Dana, like, I kind of know him a bit at, the, at, at this time. So he gives me this look. And I know the look that he's saying because <laughs> he said it to me so many times in words. And I'm just, I know he's like, he's like, he's like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you got, like, you, like he's going to like this,
2: like,
0: like. We actually have audio what are you doing? Of, of his thoughts at
2: that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I can be a f-ing bartender. Uh, Short order cook, a f***ing scientist.
0: If that's what you really want to be, then go for it. He wants finishers, Rashad, all right? He wants finishers, please.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what he was saying to me. So I feel I feel feel the pressure of that. And mind you, I knew going into that fight that we didn't have much time to to launch the pros versus Joes because they were telling me that it was it was we didn't have a lot like there was not a lot of time in that window. So they were kind of telling me like hurry
0: up interesting all right well you did hurry up you come out mixing in punches nicely you get a little knee to the body that dropped him briefly and then we start to see you holding that left hand out almost like fainting like you know you're about to set up something big did you have any premonitions foreshadowing of what would come which was that big kick
1: no i didn't but i felt like he was getting kind of i felt like he was getting kind of lazy and i felt as if like um what he had the first round, it kind of, he kind of wore a little bit of it out because in the second round, he was a little less springy on his foot feet. And I think that's what made him so good before is that he was so bouncy. You know how he came out and did that, that karate kick? He was really bouncy. But the second round, he wasn't as bouncy, and I seen him kind of like walking a little bit more, so I knew I can walk him down.
0: Well, you walked him down indeed. I mean, you've had a great career. So, look, I don't think anything's ever going to beat the the Chuck Liddell one-punch knockout for the brutality for what it meant to your career. But if this was the, the – the, if this KO right here was the crowning point of your sizzle reel, Rashad, you, you would have had, had a hell of a run because this knockout is sick. You can't play the Rashad Evans career highlight reel without going right to this one. <laughs>
2: Oh Here is Sean Woo. A Woo. Wow! Woo. What do you say about Woo. Woo. that coming out. Wow! Out cold wow. His he is still stiff. up. His toes are still curled up oh. right now, oh. right in front of us. Let's take a look at that again. There, back on the button.
3: So let's
0: have a on the button On the button, yes yes i got Ooh. three things to say one that sound you heard it that was, i oh mean my no, oh. oh my god that's like a baseball hitting a bat number two we've heard great announced reactions to things right? like daniel cormier is the best right thug rose yeah. i have never heard all three analysts at the same time screaming over the top of each other randy couture Jesus. I mean this was a this was a a spiritual moment almost Rashad.
1: It really was and um it kind of surprised me because when my foot left you know how you just like it feel like it was just a clean swing and I just knew I got a really good a really good kickoff and it just kind of went off and it flicked so nice and when it hit his face it kind of felt like it hit right like, in, in a really good meaty area so I knew I caught like his neck area and um When he went down, my instinct was just to hit him as soon as he was coming up because when I fought Brad Imes, when I knocked him down, it seemed like him hitting the ground woke him up.
0: Ah, interesting.
1: So I wanted to make sure that he stayed asleep, so I was going to go and try to hit him again and make sure he stayed asleep, but he was definitely way, way asleep. And uh,
0: It's one of the craziest falls, too. His arms went to his side. He his chin like talked. It was like he was taking a wrestling bump. He hit on the back, and then the front, unfortunately the back of his head hit, and he was out. And when they showed that replay, it was directly in front of the announce team, so they're going nuts. Joe Silva's sitting in the fourth seat of that announce, the, the UFC matchmaker. He stands up, Rashad takes the headphones off, and has the biggest shit grin I've ever seen. <laughs> what's the, at that point, what's like what are the what's the fighter's relationship to matchmaker Joe Silva? Because it seemed like he was insanely happy. Had pulled it off.
1: He was really happy for me. I, I think Joe was always one of those guys who, um, who rooted for me. You know, he, he, was, he was one of those guys. I mean, and they can't root for you because they always, you know, they got to do what they have to do and they got to be uh, non-biased. But at the same time, I, I can tell he was always one who was always like, yeah, Rashad, go out there and get him. You know, so uh, to see me go out there and fight and to do that, Oof. he was like, okay, because for him, he put the match together, right? So with, when they get to look like that off of off of someone they like yeah i did that you know they
0: feel like they share in the victory too i mean this this is how you build a star you get the ground and pound knockout against lambert you look dominant then you come back with this it's no it's no question that your next four fights were all against basically hall of fame level guys and champions there um i mean look what can you say this is a badass moment first
2: head kick rashad lands in the ufc and what a yeah,
0: what a doozy it was, Joe. That's a weird comment. Um, but the, Rashad, what does this do to your confidence? Does it? Is it too much? I mean, you. I mean, you, you know, you come back, and we're going to go over these fights in the future. But you come back and have a draw with Tito after this. Um, did you, but if you're that age, you're basically 27 years old. You just went from a security guard at a hospital to now a guy who's a full time fighter, and now you're like a badass. did, did were you drinking the the sugar juice after this i mean what's going on here
1: yeah i I was pretty i was pretty uh pretty high on myself man i was like i was like you know everything was starting to come together you know i felt as if like at this point you know my wrestling game was was on point and i felt as now my stand-up game was coming along not only with my hands but now i had confidence to throw my feet and that just that offers up a whole nother a whole nother wrinkle uh, that you can bring to a fight. So I felt as if like my skill level versus everyone else is was finally starting to level off. And I felt as if like I could compete with those guys before where I felt as if like, uh, they got this and I don't have that.
0: I assume it put you into a new, you know, tax bracket, a new level of life. Did you start to, to feel like, like, it's time this investment's paying off it's it's uh, i mean did did you move did you uh change houses i mean what what's going on in the personal life at this point
1: um yeah, I did I started to uh move up I, I got a uh i bought a house and i started to uh you know started to 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 move and expand life you know me and latoya we got married at the time we had our first child and uh we were we were starting to to move in that, uh, that direction and life. Life was great. You know, life was, uh, life was amazing. You know, I was fighting from a good place, you know, and I, and I would go away to do my camps and my mindset was just, it was just about fighting.
0: Interesting. Uh, you, you end up fighting Tito Ortiz next. We're gonna go over that in the future, but you get a co main event spot on that pay-per-view But according to the California State Athletic Commission, you only made 16k for that Tito fight. He made two hundred ten thousand. How are you going backwards here?
1: Because that's the that's the UFC. That was the Ultimate Fighter contract. It was it was so it's it was twelve and twelve if I win, and then it was sixteen and sixteen. But since that was a draw, I only got half of the purse.
0: Wow. Uh. Yeah. You guys are. I mean, when you you know what I'm going to say it, Rashad. No wonder why <clears throat> no wonder why we have the pay system the way it is. Because you guys fight so hard to get to that level where you're quote unquote made, where you're yeah. a championship level guy, a pay-per-view headliner, a guy. That's why those guys don't complain. That's why those guys aren't fighting. So that the guys on the undercards can get paid more because when you finally get to that point, I assume from this head kick knockout that okay, Rashad's you know he's next in line almost for a title shot. He's got to be making. I mean, if this was if this was boxing, you'd have been making about seven hundred thousand for that Tito fight. Like seriously, straight or five hundred. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it, it's it's wild. I know that this is two thousand seven. UFC wasn't in a place financially they are now, but now I get it that UFC takes care of you when you get to be a made man, and once you get there you know you're not trying to rock the boat anymore you you're trying to you know keep cashing
1: yeah and that's and that's exactly it like they make you you have to earn your keep and you have to earn to to prove that you're going to be a a good earner with them or you were a good earner with them because you know there there's a lot of fighters and there's a lot of they they're such a they they're a company where it doesn't take a lot for them from a promotional standpoint to make someone a star so in order for you for them to really pay you what you deserve. You have to go out there and be that extra and show that you want that, you know, and only way you're doing it is if you climb up that ladder and, and knock out those guys.
0: Wow. A uh, postscript on Sean Salmon, his only other UFC fight was four months later. He was submitted by Alan Belcher at UFC 71. He went on to a journeyman career that lasted all the way through 2013, but unfortunately lost, it looks like, close to his last 10 or 11 consecutive fights. Uh, He was once a, uh, he made it to the Olympic trials of amateur wrestling. He owns a collegiate wrestling win over Bobby Lashley. So the guy's, the guy, you know, had some decoration, had some skill. He kind of kicked your ass in round one, all things (laughs) He definitely kicked my ass in round one. He's an amateur wrestling coach today, Um, but I doubt after a head kick like that you guys are trading Christmas cards or anything.
1: Yeah, I, I never talked to him again after that, to be honest. Um, I, I, but, you know, it, it's funny because I never talked to him again, but forever we're going to be intertwined, you know, and I, I just wish him well in life. And, and he, he, you know, for what it's worth, he did kick my ass that first round. I'd like, like to get him on good. this show.
0: I should have done better. Got him right now. Let's go to Sean Femme and to, to oh celebrate God. his one moment, you know. But uh, Yeah,
1: he, he, but, he definitely had his one moment against me for sure.
0: and then that was it but uh shout out to Rashad we call this of course uh episode two story time but it's about bursting onto the scene what would happen next was you become a part of that scene like I mentioned Tito Ortiz Michael Bisping Chuck Liddell then the title shot and the victory against Forrest Griffin will be very interested in going down memory lane of that but at this point 27 year old Rashad Evans uh, ten and oh on top of the world uh not a bad time not a bad 294 days you put together there like i mentioned at the start of the show you went from raw pretender to now legitimate watch that
1: yeah for sure you know i felt that um that that whole that whole growth in those 200 and something days it really made a break in my career just just on a mental basis you know um i felt as if like that forged what I was going to be in, in that, in that time, you know, and it felt as if like, because I stayed so busy, it felt as it was just an extension from the ultimate fighter and everything that I had from the ultimate fighter just rolled over. And what, what I accomplished in those 200 and something days really became the foundation of what I was to become the rest of my career.
0: And by the way, back to the comment you made after the Lambert win when they were talking about potentially a title shot. And you were like, well, hold on. It's not like there's chumps in this division. Can we just be honest and say t- chumps? That I mean, I think right now in 2020, UFC lightweight is insanely deep. But light heavyweight at the era that you came up, I mean, just look at those fights. You had to fight Tito, Bisping, Chuck Liddell just to get the title shot. You've also got Forrest Griffin, Leona Machida, Shogun Hua, Uh, eventually john jones rampage jackson there's a reason why that title was changing hands every six months during this time i mean what a damn time to be alive no wonder all of you are hall of famers essentially from that stretch
1: yeah you know it was it was a great time because we were all around the same age you know and, and that's what made it so competitive but the thing that made it also interesting is because we were all around the same age but varied in different skill levels based on experience. You know, you, went, when they brought the guys over in from Pride, it just added a whole nother element to the whole landscape of the light heavyweight division. Right. And that light heavyweight division was the premier division because there was the most money to be made in that division, you know? And um, you know, those guys in in, in that light heavyweight division at the time, you know, it was it was it, it was savage. Those those guys were savage. They were not, they were not any boys at all. And they despise the fact that they looked at me as a boy coming from the show. And they're like, I, you know what I had to do to get in this position. Now here you are coming here from some, you know, weak show trying to get all this, you know, everything that I've worked my, my butt off to get. So they came in there with a chip on their shoulder against me
0: and it, it certainly speaks to John Jones' greatness that he was able to end up going on that run oh my where he gosh. all of you guys basically back to back to back. I, I like to debate random things sometimes, and the other day I think I was uh, talking to our producer, Mikey Mormont, just basically saying, look, what if John Jones never existed? What would that title right. lineage have been? I feel like you would have been right. title a champion like two, three more times during that stretch. You guys would right. all just continue to pass it to each other. I mean, it was, it was a wild time, man.
1: It really was and 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 I can definitely see that happening, you know, just because you know when John Jones was that 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 mold breaker, you know what I'm saying, he had the attributes that really broke the mold on so many different areas because he had physical attributes that put him in a different realm than the rest of us, you know and and it would have been funny to see how it would have been if we all would have just stayed competing against each
0: other because we were all pretty equal. Absolutely. Let's close with the post-fight interview after the head kick. This is a, what a time to be Rashad.
2: We're here with the winner and winner in devastating fashion. Rashad, you came into this fight saying that you wanted to get a knockout because it was more satisfying. How satisfied are you now? I'm pretty satisfied. I'm not still
3: satisfied that he's still laying there, but uh, I'm satisfied and I'm just very thankful for it. Well, it was a beautiful head kick. Did you set him up with a leg kick or did you plan on going straight to the head? I plan on going uh, straight to the head. Me and my uh, tight uh, coach, Michael John, worked on that all all camp. And he said he'd be there for it. And uh, I knew I'd catch him with it. There it is on the big screen. Talk us through it. Here it is. Um, I just catch him, lean him. And I knew I had it. And I threw the kick. I knew he was getting tired. And I just had him. All right, Rashad, congratulations.
2: Devastating performance.
3: Yeah, I'd just like to uh, dedicate this win to a friend of mine who passed away, Nicholas
0: Ives, and, uh, you know, God with you.
2: Congratulations! Look forward to
0: seeing you again, Rashad Evans. Rashad, I wanted to close with that because it shows the humanitarian side that we know and love of of Rashad Evans today. You concerned for Sean Salmon, and then and then you shout out your late friend here. What was the, the the story with that?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, a kid, a kid I grew up with, you know, uh, his friend and my mom are really good friends, and um, you know, he was battling and going through uh, some cancer, and I would you know talk to him on the phone, just kind of give him a little bit of just uh, hope. And, uh, you know, he would, um, he he would tell me how much I inspired him and he would cheer me on. And he told me he'd be watching me fight. And, uh, he never got a chance to make it to see the fight.
0: We saw the. You didn't come out there saying, "Yeah, man," and 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 Iceman, I'm coming for you. You continued to build, and and the success came. Can't wait to continue down this journey with you, Rashad. Thanks for the time. Thanks for opening up the vault and taking us back there. We saw Bonner's uh, crazy-looking brother. We had uh, the, the the Rashad cheering section going nuts. <laughs> what, what a fun time that was back in the you know. Oh, in that fertile time, UFC becoming a pay-per-view brand, and becoming a you know, a thing again. It was uh the spike era was wild. It was great.
1: It really was. And you know, that's that's the funny thing that when we go through this is the fact that, yeah, we're watching my career and we've seen everything unfold from my personal perspective, but we're also watching the organization grow and watching how they grow as a production and, and where their focus is and how they're bringing the athletes to the table. And you start to see this big machine that is now in the UFC today, but in his infancy stages, you kind of see, you know, Dana White with the hair, the Joe Rogan with the hair, and you're just reminded of where it all started. You know, it's, it's quite amazing, man. And I thank you for going down this memory uh, lane with me.
0: Thank you shout out to our listeners of the State of Combat. Uh, it is UFC 249 weeks, so Rashad and I, of course, will be back with a full preview. We're gonna have some big time interviews with some fighters on this card. We've got Cowboy. We got Pettis. We got Steve Pay handicapping that must-see heavyweight bout, which could produce the next title contender. But that is all for now. Fights are back, but we had a little fill here in your quarantine season to keep you fired up for the Hall of Famer. Rashad Evans for our super producer, Mikey Moore-Mile. It's your boy, BC, with two words.
2: We yeah. have